You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by 13Sick, National Home Doctor Service. 13Sick is Australia's largest network of home visiting doctors. So if you need urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 13Sick. Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue has over 30 years of experience. She's just left the babies aside now. She's stepped into the studio to answer your questions. It's not just babies she deals with. It's toddlers, it's families, it's the mix, the juggle, the everything. So if you need some guidance, some settling techniques perhaps, or some advice about solids, give us a call now. The number is 1-800-543-772, or you can text us on 0437-665-200. Chris, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Our first call we have here is from Sarah who is um, a long-time listener, actually. She and her baby have grown up with us. Can I say that, Sarah? (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) Uh, Sarah has some questions about how to move um, children into the same room. Sarah, do you want to tell us how old your children are? Yes, so I've got two boys. Uh, The eldest is about two and then eight months, and my youngest is nearly one. Right. You've been busy, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) and you'd like to move them into the same room yeah okay currently he's in our bedroom in a cot yeah so we'd love for him to be with his brother okay so does he sleep fairly well for you at nights yes he has been lately he's been sleeping through till about five five ish oh perfect Uh, but he might wake up um, maybe one or two times, cry out for a little bit, but self-settle. Okay. So generally yeah. speaking, when children are sharing, if that happens earlier than 4am, so if it happens, you know, between midnight and 4am, it shouldn't disturb the sleep of the other child. It's okay. when things happen after 4am that the older child is in a lighter sleep that you might find it'll disturb both of them. Yep. So when we look at putting them in their room together, which I think is a brilliant idea and gets them to... You know, understand there's two people in this house and not just one person in this house. Um, you you have to stagger the sleep. So does your older son, does he take a day sleep? Yes, he does. He does. They, sleep, they sleep at the same time, nap at the same time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so at that age, you should have them napping at the same time. And that's where the difficulty is probably actually going to come in is at that yeah. one more than the evening one. So we, ima- we kind of imagined that as soon as we'd phase that out, that's when we would... Yeah, so he may not phase out that sleep, though, till he's three. I just get him to take that day sleep maybe on your bed instead of his bed. Okay. And that that would still work perfectly well because he's two and eight months and he understands when you tell him something why things are going to happen. So I think that that's really reasonable because there's a fair chance in the next four or five months he'd probably phase his day sleep out anyway. But we don't want him to wake, say, after an hour and start calling out where your younger son may have been able to sleep for two to two and a half hours in that window. So have a think about that. Um, The evening part is really easy. You stagger them by half an hour. So you put your first little one down first and your older son will go down about half an hour later. But when you take him into the room, everything needs to have been done for him. So his stories will probably be either on your bed or in the lounge room with the television off and the lights are low. So that when you take him into the room, you just take him in, you put him into bed, give him a kiss and a cuddle and you walk out again. 
so that you don't disturb the younger baby. And generally, it works really, really well. You start to tell him that we're going to create a boy's room, not that his brother's coming into his room. Because that can get a little bit confusing. This is my room. I don't want him in my room. So you start saying we're going to create um, the boy's room. You might change something for him, you know, the linen on his bed or something along those lines. Might have the same pillows or the same um, linens to make it a bit of a boy's room. Um, Get him to help a little bit, you know. What can we do in the room so that little baby X can come into the room? And then explain to him that he's going to stay up a little bit later. We're going to put the baby down. We're going to have our stories. And then you're going to go into the room quietly. And when this is explained to them prior to the event, they actually do really well in understanding what it is we're asking of them. Yep. Okay. And so so currently kind of he will kind of sneak out of his room and have a play in the hallway for a little bit and then sneak back to bed would I just tell him, no, we're just don't, not going to do that anymore? I'll yeah, so we're going to give him bed. plenty of warning. We're going to talk about all these little things. Maybe if you were going to put them in the room together on Saturday, you'd start talking to them on Wednesday. You'd start talking to him about what the new, um, the new sort of routine, for want of a word, around going to bed will be like. Okay. And it should work really well. Lovely. That's good. <laughs> good, good luck with that, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, thanks so much. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Kindling, Conversa- Kindling Conversation and we have Mother Craft Nurse Chris Minogue in the studio. She's answering your questions. We have a text from Claire. Chris, it says um, it's about sleeping and her four-and-a-half-month-old she says, we've worked hard on joining sleep cycles and having a longer nap in the day, but this has now gone backwards. She was also waking a lot at night, but we worked on settling and only feed twice per night. This has improved and now she wakes less. When I go in to settle her, she seems to escalate and goes through a series of crying, blowing raspberries, talking <laughs> and other strategies. I don't want to leave her to cry, but I don't want to make things worse. What do you suggest? That's from Christine. So lots of four to five month olds have this common behaviour where they wake up and lots of people use that, what I call a dreaded word, the regression, like some babies are going backwards somewhere. I have just as many babies that never change their sleeping patterns at four months as I do that do change their sleeping patterns at four months. And I actually think it's an awareness. Some children are just much more alert, much more aware of what's going on. And they're very aware when you come through that door that there'll be a set of things that happen after that. And what we're trying to do is to say to that that little one, you're okay, but it's time to go back to sleep. So make sure you've got age-appropriate behaviour that you're looking for. So if she's only been resettled once a day, it's actually quite difficult for her to join more cycles together. So in her age group, I'd probably pick two sleeps in the day where you're resettling her, maybe one in her morning window and one in her afternoon window. So she'd probably still be having four sleeps generally across the day. Um, it's good that your nights have got better and they should get better in the long term and and hopefully drop down to one feed overnight. So the next thing is that when you walk into the room and she starts blowing raspberries but you're looking for her to be resettled, I usually just go up, I just say it's time for sleep and then I walk out again. At that point she'll go, hang on, where did you go? I thought we were playing the game about the raspberries. 
she'll start crying. I give her a few minutes of crying and then I go back in and I gently help her go back to sleep. And for everybody, that technique is a little bit different and I'd probably have to chat to you about what that would look like for you. Um, But a little bit of crying, a little bit of going back reassuring, a little bit of crying, a little bit of reassuring, generally speaking, works. You've got to give her the chance to go to sleep. If we continue to put her to sleep, we'll just end up creating a behaviour around that. Um, So take your time and take your patience. Plot out the sleep she'd like her to resettle on. And when she does the happy noises, like you've come in to pick her up, just reassure her this is the sleep time and walk out. And then if she starts crying, go back and do some resettling. If you stick at it, you've got one more little, little sort of jump in teaching her to resettle and then it's plain sailing from then. Good luck with that, Christine. Um, We have a question from Penny in Victoria. She says, my three-year-old son is painfully shy and will avoid other children in the playground or when they visit our house. I've tried talking with him and reassuring him, but it hasn't worked. What can I do to make him feel more safe and reassured and start to play with other children? I think the first thing I'd be asking in this case with Penny is, does her little one go off to maybe preschool or a play group or a bit of um, daycare? Um, what that would tell us is can he cope in his, on his own? So if he goes off um, for a couple of hours to preschool um, then and he copes beautifully and he can play alongside someone or with someone, even if it's only the same one person, then it's just going to take time and patience and reassurance to get him there. If he's not coping in that social situation, we might need more skills in order to get him to be able to interact with other people of his age. Um, So I would go slow and gently with this one. Um, I would try reassurance, which you're obviously doing. I'd try more one-on-one play and I'd try it in a safe environment, which would probably be at home. So if you've noticed he's playing with little Jack and you have a relationship with Jack's mum, maybe get them to come over for morning tea, but for a short window so that he just gets used to the interaction in a safe space. So when he feels his confidence up, he is the child that might do well with just a couple of hours of a place play group where he's on his own where he's dropped off you know like a Montessori play group type one for his age and that might just encourage him to use those skills a little bit more so depending on whether he already does that if he can go to daycare and he's quite happy and he's just shy around you I think that's just more he needs a little bit more of you and we need to give him time and time and reassurance. Good luck, Penny. Uh, We have Yvonne from New South Wales who says, my two-year-old daughter throws a tantrum any time I hold another child or even interact with one. I'd love your advice on how to deal with this jealousy. Thank you. She's got a lot of power, that little one, hasn't she? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So she's just letting you know that she doesn't want you to do that. And I think this is one of those things that, um, of course, you should be holding other people's babies. And you may even go on to have your own other child. And and she's going to have to relate to that as as well. Now, there's a big difference between a two-year-old and a child who's about to turn three. So I'm going to assume she's the younger of that age group because that sounds like a behaviour of a, of a little two-year-old. So what I would do is if a friend came over and they had a little baby or you were picking their child up, I'd do it fairly close to her. And another one is to sit on the floor with that baby and have her come sit near you as well and then not interact between each other but get some interaction going. So you might say to her, can you go over there and get mummy um, that uh 
you know, pot and pan from your kitchen and bring it back to mummy. And meanwhile, you're holding that baby. Can you go and get the baby, your baby doll, and bring it back over to her? And so she brings the baby doll back over. So the baby's there in the environment, but we're not overly reacting to the baby. So we just go backwards and forwards. We get down on her level. It'll probably sort itself out. And don't play too much into it. If you have chosen to pick up a friend's new baby and given it a cuddle, then give them a quick cuddle and hand the baby back to her and then just do some reassurance. And that should, with maturity, it should just go away. You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris is also an author. Her book is called Bringing Baby Home and it has... Lots of advice in that book, but of course, this is a place where you can get specific advice to your own situation. Um, you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au or you can call us. The number is 1800 543 We have all kinds of ways you can get in touch. Uh, Chris, we've got a question from Anne. This was sent in by email. My seven-month-old has always and continues to refuse tummy time. He seems to think he can walk and insists on this posture constantly. My suspicion is this is possibly a side effect of using the jolly jump. Well, we call it a jolly jumper. She's calling it a jumping joey. Uh, jumping joey. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for encouraging a better posture? I suppose my greatest concern is how he will ever transition to crawling if he refuses sitting and tummy postures. Okay, so the first thing is that a seven-month-old can't stand unless they're put in that position. So what we're going to do is stop putting him in that position. And that includes the jumping joey or what is the jolly jumper thing? Yes, I'd take that away for a while. So I think even as a little baby when he started to get strong on his legs and you might stand a little baby on your your legs as you're sitting, that's just developed into a pattern of positioning for him. And we do need to be careful with that because that's not a natural position for them. So what I do is take tiny little steps. So I'd get rid of the jolly jumper or that version of it. And um, when you go to move him to his toys, I'd just put him down on his back And then I would sit by him and play with him for a little bit so he gets used to it and then maybe pick him up for a little bit and hold him for a little bit and then put him back down on his back or his front again. That'll help him to accept being down on their front and their back. And another problem is if we continuously just sit them, you know, so they've sort of skipped the the developmental stage between roll and then roll to push and sit, then sometimes they'll sit um, but they don't move. So I think if we get into the habit of generally putting him down on his back and his front but staying with him and reassuring him, then he'll move comfortably between those positions and maybe a bit of sitting. And then from the sitting, he should pull himself to stand by himself. And usually they don't pull to stand until they're somewhere, depending on the baby, somewhere between nine months and 12 months. Okay, so let's encourage him to go on the floor, um, whether it's been a combination of putting down on their back, putting down on their front or sitting. Um, Generally, don't leave him in a sitting position for a really long period unless he looks like he's rocking onto his hands. You know how babies put their hands out and then go out to rock. That'd be okay. And then see how that goes. But he's going to resist. He's going to resist. Mm, Strong-willed children. Good good luck. (laughs) Good luck, Anne. Thank you for the question. And look, our final question before we have to wrap is from Sue. Um, She's talking about her granddaughter. She says her granddaughter is now 16 weeks old. Her sleep pattern in the past few weeks has changed dramatically. It's very difficult to get her to sleep during the day. Morning seems okay, but the 45-minute sleep cycle, Mm. she wakes on the dot. The night times have been 
a nightmare for my daughter, waking either every hour or every few hours and then wanting to play at 4 a.m. Oh, ouch. Last night she slept from 9.30 to 8 p.m. to 1.30 a.m., then up every two hours. She does tend some nights to pass a lot of wind. Don't know if that makes a difference. She's probably getting she, a lot of feeds. She can turn 90 degrees in her cot, so not the full way around, just halfway. We've tried every swaddle, sleeping bag, etc. <laughs> she even gets her arms out of one sleeping bag when, her, when they're actually confined by a zip, so she must get it out through the collar. Yeah, which means it's too big. She's not cold or overheated. And the room is dark. And I guess they're just asking what you can suggest in terms of routine. Okay. So I would take this back to the basics. So she's four and a half months old, was that? Uh, 16 weeks. 16 weeks. So somewhere between three and a half and four months old and very active. So what I would do is create a little rhythm in the day to help her. The first thing I suggest with this when they won't link their sleep cycles together is take two or three days and not worry about that, but use your timing. So for that age group, roughly, they should stay or could stay awake for about an hour and a half. So for every hour and a half awake, she's going to go down to sleep. And whether she sleeps for 20 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour and a half, when she gets up, we're going to put her back down again an hour and a half later. We're going to see if she has a natural sleeping pattern. So where we're patting her, thinking she should put two sleep cycles together, you might find that if you don't do that, the next one, she just naturally does it herself. I do this for a couple of days just to see if there's a natural sleeping pattern within the baby. Um, getting her to sleep, if she can get a hand out through her neckline, it usually means that one is too big. So that's why she can sneak a hand out. She's definitely a Houdini for you. <laughs> so once you get to the hour and a half, I'd take her into her room, dim the room, wrap her up, give her a cuddle till she's nice and calm, put her in a bed, awake, and that's a really key part of it, and put my hand on her and either tap or pat um, her until she's very calm and quiet and then leave. None of this you don't already know. It's creating the pattern of simplicity that helps to teach them how to do it. And I think she's got herself very overtired because she's not sleeping very long and she's waking frequently. The more overtired they are, the harder it is for them to feed effectively. So therefore it leads into um, feeding overnight, like more rapid feeding. And also she doesn't know how to go to sleep at night. So there's quite a lot going on there, Sue, for your grandchild. And I can't really sum it up in about 30 seconds, but I do consistency using the hour and a half awake. I would feed her every three to three and a half hours during the day and not under three hours because then she might feed more efficiently and help her to sleep longer at night. And maybe in the evening, I would try a sequence called feed, bath, feed, where I give her one side of the breast or half the bottle, then a bath, and then take her into a quiet, dimly lit room to give her the second part of her feed and put her down. That might help start to extend her sleep in the evenings. Good luck. Yes, good luck. And Sue, please let your daughter know we're, we're more than happy to take her call if she has any more questions for Chris, but I hope it goes well for you. Chris, thank you so much. Pleasure. And thank you to everyone for your questions. That was Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. She'll be back next week from midday answering your questions. And also next week, we're going to start doing a Facebook Live at the same time. If you prefer to interact on social media, we'll give you lots of notice about that. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by 136 National Home Doctor Service. If you or a loved one needs urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 136. That's 137425 for a bulk build after hours doctor home visit. 
You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.